The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. Innistrad is coming soon, and StarCityGames.com is your source for boxes, cases, fat packs, intro packs, complete sets, and singles. Head on over to StarCityGames.com and pre-order Innistrad today. Hey, what's up? Oh, hey, what's going on? Not much. Just uh, about to record episode 75. Oh, neat. 75, huh? Yeah. You sound, like, uh, you sound like you're reading off of a script. <laughs> a script? Oh, Whatever. What do you mean huh? by a script? <laughs> like... <laughs> you, you should have read, like, the stage directions, like, looks confused or something yeah, like that. <laughs> Alternative music has always been an important part of our world. <laughs> Since the beginning of time, alternative music has given people a beacon of hope. Here are the nominees for Best Alternative <laughs> Album. I was just going to let you keep going until you stopped. So Nationals was this past weekend. Yeah, I uh, – didn't pay that much attention to it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I you, didn't, but do, that's. Do you know I, who won? Uh, Ali and Trazi. And I also know who the other people are. I mean, I kind of, you know, I followed along as much as I could, but I was filming all weekend. We were doing the. Uh, we, we entered a. We're entering a film into a contest for uh, this place called the Creative Alliance in Baltimore. Yeah. It's their 29 days later film competition. So it's instead of like a 48 hour thing where mm-hmm. it's like you have this real time crunch. Like they wanted to give people room to like actually try things and do different stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so we entered it, and it's due Thursday. So the last two weekends straight, I've just been like filming nonstop. Right. This will actually be posted online um, once we're done. Uh, You know, once it's aired uh, at the festival or whatever, we're going to post it online. So I'll put a link up for people. Yeah. We have that might be a couple weeks from now, but yeah, link it on Twitter and whatever. We'll retweet it and stuff. Yeah, for sure. So, so that's kind of what I've been up to. I definitely was following along. Um, I, I was really pulling for Owen because Owen's always been a big supporter of mine. So, right. like, I was really pulling for Owen to pull it out, but obviously he didn't. Um, but it's pretty exciting. It's exciting to see the national team uh, this year. I think it looks like a pretty strong team. I mean, obviously Ochoa is great, and uh, Ali's been awesome. Yeah, like going into the top eight. Uh... It looked like there was a potential for basically Team Channel Fireball to be Team USA because LSV, David Ochoa, and uh, Owen uh, was another guy in the top eight, as you mentioned. Hai Bing Hu, who I don't know who that is, um, James McLeod, 
Um, He's a fan of the Texas Longhorns, apparently. Apparently, yeah. And uh, Noah Kessel and Brandon Nelson. Every time I kept seeing somebody mention Nelson on Twitter, because I was following it mostly on Twitter, I kept thinking it was Brad Nelson, and then I'd realize, no, that's Brandon Nelson, and I don't know who that is. I kept uh, (laughs) kept thinking all weekend, because I wasn't really looking at any coverage, I was going, I kept thinking, oh, that must be Brad Nelson's brother. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Looking at the guy now, I'm like, well... Probably not, you know, so. No, Brad's brother, his name is uh, Corey Bomeister, so. Oh, really? Yeah, so, uh, you know, hmm. the, I guess they're some sort of half, maybe they're half-brothers. I, I don't know the story there, but that's his brother's name. Uh, but, yeah, so the uh, the the team is officially Ali Antrazi and David Ochoa and um, and I believe uh, – Hybing who? Hybing who? Yeah, that's right. The third and, place playoff, and Brandon is the alternate. Brandon Nelson. Right. Right. So uh, the the cool thing about Ali's deck, he played blue black control, which uh, you know, I think it's a, a deck like Ali obviously likes to play rogue decks all the time, and or or a, a lot of the time. But recently, he's been kind of going a little more mainstream. Like he played Twin Blade and won. Uh, one of the SCG events, I believe it was in Baltimore, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think so. Yeah. Um, it was the last weekend where, uh, Jason Stoneforge were legal and he played twin blade and won with that. And, uh, blue black control while, you know, somewhat off the radar since the bannings, uh, to some extent, at least it hasn't really shown up in the star city events, uh, that I've noticed. Um, it's, uh, it's still more of a, uh, I guess mainstream kind of deck idea. I mean, it's really not too many cards off of, uh, of the list I've been playing. I, I, like I, uh, I was looking at Chapin's list for that. He posted just in one of his articles. Um, and so I started from there, but, uh, you know, solemn simulacrum and he's got grave, like two grave Titans, two consecrated Sphinx where, uh, Chapin was playing, uh, two consecrated Sphinx, warm coil engine and batter skull as kind of like the, uh, the win conditions there. But, um, and then just kind of the mix of typical control spells. Now, like Ollie's got, uh, Black Sun Zenith. Consume the Meek. Uh, consume the Meek. Yeah, he's got a, a little bit more on the, in the sweeper department. Like, uh, he's got Despise in the main deck. Uh, he's got Doom Blades over, over Gopher at the Throat, which makes sense because of all the uh, the Tempered Steel that's kind of been cropping up. He's got, like, a main deck Karn and a Liliana, which is kind of cool. Yeah, love but, it. Yeah, I, I mean... Will, this list is really neat looking. Yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. I don't even think I have any Lilianas anymore. Like, I had them forever and just really barely played them and traded them away, like, a couple months ago. And then now, of course, it's <laughs> seeing play. But whatever. Right. I may, I have, I may one. have I one. Yeah. I have one. I don't even know if – I might just replace it with something else. But um, I figured I'm going to give – I'd like to to give something close to this list a shot. Um, he uh, – you know, he's not playing Mental Misstep, which is interesting. He's only got one into the Royal, which I feel like is – is such a good card right now just because yeah. as a catch all, but he's just got one in the seventy five and um Yeah, I'm looking yeah, I, uh, I hate I hated not having them in uh in Pyromancer. Like I, I every time I didn't have one I was mad. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I always wanted at least one in my hand, so I think five is the right number, but Right. Just one just use it as your general. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Use Venser. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Let's play Venser and Standard as my as your commander. standard standard commander. St- that's t- yeah, I know. There, I know yeah. There's a, there's a pun waiting to happen there, but I don't want to make it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
One thing uh, I thought was kind of cool was he's playing that card, Peace Strider, which I feel like, you know, the really, I feel like the last time I saw it was when we were like, hey, for the uh, the Scars of Mirrodin game day, they're going to give out these these cards for, you know, previews from Mirrodin Besieged. And, right. uh, like, I know I had seen people talk a little bit more about it uh, since then. It was a surprise to see it showing up in a winning list. Um He's got Praetor's Grasp in here too, which was awesome. He uh, used Praetor's Grasp against uh, his opponent who was playing Pyromancer Ascension um, and stole a Gitaxian Probe from his deck, which, you know, seems like an interesting choice. Like that's, you know, I mean, of all the things you could take is that, you know, not not an extra counterspell or, or something like that, you know, maybe a Consecrated Sphinx or something. I don't know. I, I actually have to look at the list. I can't remember what was in it, but... um. It was just an interesting choice, but it was cool because I think he uh, he used it to resolve uh, Memoricide on Pyromancer's Ascension. Oh, like, wow. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I didn't get to actually see it. I got all my coverage from uh, the uh, always amazing mtgmom.com on Twitter, Megan Holland, and uh, and Willie G, my prez, was also tweeting, live tweeting, because he was at Gen Con, and so he was uh, tweeting the event, and I was getting basically up to up to the minute coverage of the matches because uh i wasn't actually able to watch um that's cool though but yeah like so that was kind of a neat play um definitely not not the most obvious play at least i i don't think i would have thought to take a getaxian probe brandon nelson with a 62 card main deck yeah what is he doing (laughs) that's really interesting he's the new jay way isn't is that it (laughs) <laughs> something um it's just nuts lsv played call blade like looking at the actual top eight there were what six call blade decks something like that yeah it was six call blade decks blue black control and pyromancer ascension so uh kind of um i i think well mike flores actually called me the other day and he goes good thing they banned jason stoneforge mystic <laughs> <laughs> Um, I didn't so get to funny. I didn't get to talk to him. He was like, "Who won?" I'm like, "Well, the, the finals are happening now. I don't know who won yet." So, uh, you know, he wasn't able to watch either. So I just texted him with the winner when uh, when I found out. But it was just funny because that's that's basically the only thing he he was able to say. He told me about what he's thinking about playing at the TCG Player uh, 75K this weekend. Oh, which, that's cool. You have to tell me when we're done recording. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, I I gotta hold that information back for the moment because I uh, I don't know how much he wants it known. So, But we can tease that we know yeah, on the podcast. Know. <laughs> it's a deck we've talked about, but it's certainly not the type of deck that – I mean, it's not Callblade. I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah, like six Callblades in the top eight. What is going on? <laughs> it's blue-white control. I, I mean, to me, it's just still the strongest archetype in the, uh, in the format, regardless of – I mean, I, the way I look at this whole uh, – you know, the bannings and, and the fallout from the bannings is that um, Callblade was the strongest deck in the format, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, Jace and Stoneforge Mystic made the deck unfair and, like, way too consistent. Not to say that the deck can't be consistent. It's blue. It can draw cards, you know? like. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, those having access to those two cards in addition to everything else in the deck made the deck unfair. I think that now we're seeing what the format should look like, which is actually still Callblade dominating the format, but it's a fair deck. There are decks that can actually beat it, 
Um, I think it's really funny. We had brought this up on um, or, or no, we we brought it up last week on Taps. I was on so many podcasts last week. I couldn't remember which one we were. On, I was on right. Um, <laughs> but uh, we were talking to Jerry. You know, he mm-hmm. thinks this format's actually more skill intensive now, which isn't a good mm-hmm. thing. Um, it isn't really what the bannings were uh, hoping to um, hoping to do. Right. Well, that's that's a question I have. What I mean, in your opinion, what was the purpose of the bannings? The purpose of the bannings was to weaken the Callblade decks. Right. Well, okay. Why? What was the purpose of that? Is it then why? What was the purpose of weakening a a certain deck? Like, what is the purpose of making a deck weaker? Um. Like, are you trying to? I mean, my to, opinion- well, to, to 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 diversify the format and okay. to. Uh, make the format appear healthier. And that's, I think, what it really comes down to, is that you look at these decks right now, and and, and I know they didn't ban the cards because of the cost, uh, you know, of how much they, like, the cards were worth. Mm-hmm. But you look at the deck right now, and anyone with a blue-white mana base can build this Callblade deck. It's It's a very, it's an affordable deck, it's an accessible deck, so of course you're going to see a lot of them being played. And if it's a more skill-intensive format, and there are more Callblade decks as a result of the bannings, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. Well, I mean, they, you know, there was nothing they could do that would have been right. Well, here, I guess, let me, I'm just going to, since we'll, we'll just jump to this topic now, we'll just go well, right We're right already on already, it. Let's, we're already on it, exactly. Let's, yeah, let's just um, go with it. I feel like the bannings were a mistake. Like now, afterwards, um, I feel like I'm a pretty open-minded person, and I think, at least I like to think I am. Um, and when they announced the bannings, although I had my doubts, I was also sort of excited to see what would happen because I was kind of like, "All right, I'll ride this wave. Let's see what this happens." You know, I love magic. I'm gonna love it no matter what, and I still do love it. It's not like I, I hate magic now or anything. I'm not even. It's not even anything of the sort, like anywhere close to that. But I do feel like looking at things, I feel like the bannings were a mistake because my opinion, like like you said, I think the initial purpose was to diversify the metagame, right? Diversify the format. That hasn't happened. They haven't diversified the format. It's just Callblade without Jason Stoneforge. That's still Callblade. And like you're saying, it's possibly even more because it's a more accessible deck. That that does you know that actually makes it uh, more difficult to diversify a format when everybody can afford it. See also Jund, you know, Um, and so so to me that's what it feels like the purpose was, and that didn't happen. And then the the other funny thing, I mean, I guess to some extent it happened. But to another extent, Jace the Mind Sculptor is sold out at seventy nine ninety nine on Star City <laughs> Games right now, which is the exact situation before the bannings. Before the bannings were announced, Jace was seventy nine ninety nine on Star City Games and sold out, or you know they had a couple in stock or whatever. You know they dropped it to fifty nine ninety nine, sold out of whatever stock they had, put it up to seventy nine ninety nine, and I haven't seen it back in stock since. It's the same price. What changed? <laughs> <laughs> what changed really so i mean batter skull is no longer viable batter skull took a hit okay so they figured that out they they, they weakened batter skull <laughs> um which was well, we, well, well I mean, batter skull was really stalling the format that's true and, but you but, know and ba- go ahead i'm sorry go. no no uh, batter skull was really like uh was really leading to a lot of draws and a lot of just like stalled rounds 
And I mean, that's not good. I mean, even if the deck, even if like, let's say they're not going to admit it, but they're resigned to the fact that Callblade's going to be the strongest deck no matter what, you know, at least they can like allow players to finish their rounds or force them to, you know right. what I mean? Like in that case, maybe the, the, the play was to uh, ban Batterskull if that was actually the problem. But anyway, let's avoiding that tangent. Well, I mean, I've said from the beginning. <laughs> I've said from the beginning that I don't think they should have banned Jace. Right. The main culprit to me was Stoneforge Mystic. Although my, you know, uh, my observation was that they would likely ban Jace also because because of perception. Right. You know what I mean? Like so. And I think that the perception I don't I don't know if the perception of standard has changed on a casual level. Right. But it, we have a we like there's such a diverse player base in magic. And there's people that don't even pay attention to standard. There's people that loosely pay attention but just play at their kitchen table and kind of just look and then there's p- people that play just F and M, and then there's you know the PTQers, the SCG open people, the the pro players, all that stuff, the Grand Prix players, all that kind of thing. Uh, but my point is that uh, like banning cards, that's a pretty high cost. To uh, their purpose is to diversify the format, and at the cost of of banning cards, like that's a pretty steep barrier, I think. And, I mean, I feel like it's like somebody's got this infection and they say, we're going to amputate your leg to stop the infection. And so they amputate their leg and the infection stays. And so now they don't have a leg (laughs) and they have the infection, you know? It's kind of like you left the format – you you kind of did this thing that was so drastic and looks bad on Wizards. It looks – I mean it looks bad to for them to ever have to ban a card, yet – the this deck, this Callblade deck, what you left in the format is still infecting the format. Unfortunately, this is not a poison deck, or the puns would be great. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, but I, I just feel like what really what's changed? Like, what did they actually achieve by amputating Jace and and Stoneforge out of the format? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is just my opinion. I know you, you agree with it, and you feel like it weakened the deck. And I guess it did. It weakened the deck. It changed the deck. Um, it changed the metagame, but it didn't – I feel like it didn't actually succeed in its original purpose with uh, by diversifying. Now, yes, one of the arguments could be that you know there's these decks that are viable like birthing pod decks and things, and that's true. But who's to say that if the format in this unknown alternate timeline where they didn't ban anything, that there were just different exciting decks that were viable? You know, we, we don't know what decks could come out. I mean, some of the best decks ever came about as answers to other decks that were dominating. Callblade itself actually was more designed as a blue-white control list that had uh, the tools to fight Valakit. You know, it was like it's trying to beat what is considered, you know, one of the best decks or one of the m- most expected decks. And, um, you know, it, it, that's how Callblade came about. And obviously it was it was a good deck against the field, too. But um, I feel like I feel like looking back, uh, it was almost like the uh, the angry mob kind of effect, where it was like I'm angry about Callblade, I'm angry about Callblade, and then somebody hears me and they're like, you know what, I'm angry too, I'm angry about Callblade, and somebody else is like, you know what, they got a good point, I'm angry about, Call-. and it's like all these people, and it was almost like this snowball effect, where you know what, if <laughs> it was almost like a mob. 
uh, mentality thing where it, pe- I think there were people that were saying they were angry about Callblade just because everybody else was saying it. It's like they were just following the crowd saying, oh, this is this is terrible. It's like this huge snowball kind of thing. And um, and people with that mentality now think, well, I can't play any, any other deck than Callblade. And so it was just like a perception thing. And now they, they ban cards. They ban Jace. They ban Stoneforge Mystic. And now these people think, hooray, now I can play these decks. And so then they go out with these decks. When when all along they may have been able to play these decks, they just thought they couldn't because everybody said they couldn't. You know what I right. mean? Like right. really, really what changed, what actually changed was just the perception, just the bannings. That's one thing they may have succeeded in that making people think that uh, now these decks were now viable when maybe they were viable all along or maybe – uh, uh, certain strategies, maybe not the exact decks. I mean, the whole game, everything we see is very metagame dependent. So if Jason Stoneforge were in the metagame, we'd definitely be seeing different decks, if not entirely different decks, than different card choices. But I just feel like, um, you know, Flores said something on, on Men of Magic, uh, his interview, which actually just went live today as we're recording this, um, about like Jund about Jund, you know, dominating tournaments. And he said, you know, people were saying, look how many Jund players are top eighting. Well, look how many Jund players weren't top eighting, was his point. Right. You know, look, the same thing applies to Callblade. Maybe not as much because of the expense, uh, you know, the cost of Jace the Mind Sculptor. But, I mean, there's quite a few players that were playing Callblade that never top eighted with it. You know, it wasn't uh, – it was a factor of the players – Combined with the deck, you know, and I think the the, the player uh, has a lot more to do with it than the deck. Obviously, you, you take a strong player and and a strong deck and put them together, and you it's, that's that's a recipe for success. So, um, I ju- I just feel like I don't see why they needed to do well. I understand why they intended to, but now in hindsight, I feel like they're what they did was not did not succeed and therefore i guess i being results oriented in that way i think it was a mistake i i can see that but here here's the thing the best players will always play the best decks the people who want to emulate the best players will always play the best decks right mm-hmm. when you're in a when you're in a tournament like an scg open or at a national tournament like nationals mm-hmm. or you, you know what i mean mm-hmm. um People are going. People like are especially going to play the best decks, and these are the results we get. We get the results from these events, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these decks are tuned to fight specific other decks that are expected in the nationals metagame in the SCG Open metagames. Mm-hmm. You know, these decks are tuned to fight those decks. Now, when you take the same deck to an F and M, and currently F and M. Uh, to me, felt. I mean, but my our our meta game is always weird. You know, at, right. at the shop I work at has always been a weird meta game. Um, my point it is, is the, yeah. the perception at on like a smaller level, and like which is like the majority of Magic is on that smaller F and M level. Mm-hmm. The perception, at least from my little corner of it, doesn't feel like Callblade is still the the dominant deck. And that nothing else stands a chance. You know what I mean? Everyone's trying something different. Everyone's brewing. When you're trying to make the world championship team, you know, when you're trying to make the national team, like, you're going to play the best possible deck. Like, and the I don't know. 
it well you're you're right it's definitely a weaker deck than it was and and i think that's that's good and i don't think that the bannings were necessarily a failure okay you know they're not going to take them back no of course yeah you know? <laughs> it would be kind but of pointless like, <laughs> I, I think stone like, like i've been saying from the beginning i think stoneforge was right and i think that jace was inevitable you know because 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 it helped the perception of magic as being playable by noobs. <laughs> you right. know and, I mean? and I think my my point is that it the entire situation is so much hinging on perception and not reality. And I think that's uh, that's what I'm saying. Like in reality, I don't think the bannings were necessary. But I think because of people's perceptions. That's what I think some of the complaints you would even hear were just because of a mob mentality thing. Like I just I think that magic players or at least a lot of magic players uh, tend to kind of be that way, kind of have that mob mentality where one person starts to complain and then everybody else is like, yeah, yeah, this right. this sucks, you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh, no, of course, it's partially that and Twitter's to blame for that. Yeah. You know, Twitter is the fastest stream of information I think we've ever had access to, mm-hmm. you know, as, as human beings, not just as magic players, <laughs> you know, like right. we get, we get, we get things from all corners of the world every second on that thing. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's a little scary, uh, but it also is a problem Wizards hasn't had to face before, you know? So, yeah. so a mob of that strength that fast, you know, can really, uh, you know, overwhelm them, make an impact and maybe force them to act maybe even prematurely, you know, like it's, 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 it's a unique problem. It's a new problem. Um, so, so maybe they overreacted, you know, but it's, but it was probably overwhelming. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I think that I, I mean, honestly, I think that taking away the guy that says, I will just search up protection from your, the colors of your deck or life gain. Like, I think that was correct because that opened up the field. I think that Jace was just collateral damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From, I mean, we, we've, I know we've kind of hit on we, those, those points before, especially after the bannings right afterwards, I think. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I'm, I'm I mean, I agree in, in, on that point. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, now that I've experienced this for, you know, a month and a half or whatever, a month, mm-hmm. it seems to me like it, it really just wasn't necessary. And um, like you said, it's not like they're going to take it back, but I kind of wanted to withhold my opinion of it or my judgment of it for a time when I've actually experienced it rather than crying right away or something. Not not that I even had that urge either, because like I said, I I kind of felt like... I was interested to see what would happen. Right, exactly. But to me, what happened is I'm still playing Callblade and Blue Black Control, which are the same two decks that I had together with Jace the Mind Sculptor in the format. You know, like it didn't change anything, uh, right? As far as what's in my bag, and it doesn't seem to change much as far as what's in the uh, the top eight. You know, Pyromancer Ascension. Okay, sure. Uh, but but let me know. let me let me just say this: if, if they had banned five different cards, let's say they banned Stoneforge Mystic Jace, and then three other cards, any other three cards. Mm-hmm. 
what colors would you be playing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. You, know, you would playing... still be playing pretty much the same decks minus those five cards. Right. And that's fine because it's still a strong archetype. You know, it doesn't change the fact that blue-white's a strong archetype. It just ha- so happens that right now, you know, blue-white control shell is clearly the strongest archetype. Uh, but there's nothing in the deck right now that makes the deck seem like, man, this isn't fair. Like, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like magic. Like, I don't want to play this game anymore because this deck is just too strong and too powerful. You know, it wins, but it doesn't make you feel like crap while it's winning. You know, I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah, I guess to me, I didn't think that it did in the first place, but, you know, it's different opinions. It didn't to me. Yeah, we don't need to, you know, keep, uh, Beating the dead horse, I guess. Uh, you know, I think we both had our, our beating say dead or Pegasus. Yeah, beating a dead dead Pegasus, right? So we can move on. I don't want people to just get stuck listening to uh, a, a ban rant, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which we've already kind of done anyway. But I was say, see the see the month of podcasts leading up to the ban. That's true. <laughs> um, so did, I mean, I, I don't want didn't want to cut you off. Did you have any last thing you wanted to add? No, not really. Okay. Yeah. Not for that. Like, you know. You're right. Let's move on. <laughs> so um, just to touch on a couple other highlights from Nationals, at least for us, our, 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 our friend Brendan uh, did very well on day one. Brendan Hurst, he uh, plays with us on Thursdays, most Thursdays. Well, it was most Thursdays until he had like class or something now. <laughs> he doesn't show up very often. But uh, anyway, he, uh, he qualified for Nats, and on day one he went uh, X and one. So I think it was six and one. After day one, he got a little profile written about him. So shout out to him. Um, sounds like the wheels fell off a little bit on day two. Uh, apparently, it was his like drafting at nationals was his first opportunity to draft M twelve. And day one, he I think three would the draft, or yeah, I guess he 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 would the draft. I don't know how many rounds of draft it was. I think it was three. Uh, day two though is when he uh, like o three the draft, <laughs> and uh, so. But uh, I, I just wanted to shout out to him because uh, For sure. I thought that was pretty awesome, especially after day one. I was super excited to see how well he was doing. He um, finished in 59th place. 55th is what uh, what he 50, said. 59th according to the final standings. Okay. He said 55th. Well, whatever. Close. And if his name is Philip Lauren now, then yes, 55th. Okay. There you go. <laughs> um, another thing, I guess, of interest is uh, Patrick Chapin was in ninth place and only – only missed on tiebreakers. He was the only uh, eleven and three or X and three to miss top eight. Mm. Would have been pretty awesome. But that's a pretty good showing to uh, go towards his uh, his Hall of Fame chances this year. Yeah, just another good showing. I mean, no, it, it's not a pro tour, but uh, you know, coming in ninth uh, at nationals is not too shabby. I'd say not. So uh, pretty cool. Um, Conrad Colos top sixteen again. Yeah, pretty yeah, awesome. Doing pretty well. Um, definitely a, a cool tournament, and it, it was uh, it was it was up on GG's live all weekend. So I'm sure they're gonna archive those. So if you want to go back and watch, um, they also had legacy champs uh, and vintage champs and block championships this weekend. Our legacy, the legacy championship winner was mm-hmm. uh, Jared Kohler. Mm-hmm. Uh, he defeated Reed Hartman 2-1 in the finals. Um, let's see. So the top eight was uh, uh, not in any order. Um, David Gleitcher playing Team America. 
Reed Hartman playing No Rug, Jared Kohler playing Merfolk. Mm-hmm. One Legacy, pretty good. Very interesting. Thought that deck, Very... didn't he get the memo that deck's no good now? Yeah. Apparently not. Apparently it's still pretty damn good. Yeah. Mark Larson playing Zoo. Eric Markowitz playing Reanimator. Uh, Ian Rogerson playing non-LED Icarid. Uh, Mark Sun playing No Rug. Mark Sun. Mark. He's uh, All Sun's Dawn on Twitter. Shows oh, up, yeah? Shows up a lot on the uh, Crazy Talk podcast. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he top-aided. Yeah. Bernie Wen playing Blue-White Standstill, and that's our top eight. So a very diverse field. Yeah. A- again. Imagine that. Legacy is diverse. And it's really funny. It's funny, too, because I feel like I've been seeing and hearing rumblings of people saying ban mental misstep, and it's like, really? Really? People are, say- people are saying that it – Yeah. <laughs> uh, for Vintage, the winner was Mark Hornung, who uh, who defeated Stephen Menendian in the finals, actually. Uh, I saw a little bit of this. Um, we don't really uh, pay too much attention to Vintage. In fact, this is probably the highest profile Vintage um, event every year, is Vintage Championships. Um, but uh, just taking a look, the, the winning deck was actually a Dredge deck. Um, and I really uh, – well, just – to bring this up. I mean, it's kind of typical dredge kind of things, but, uh, it's got ancestral recall, black Lotus in there. Um, mock Sapphire, you know, kind of like dredge with power is pretty much (laughs) what it is. You know, the typical kind of, uh, dredge strategy, but, um, Steven Menendian's list looked really fun. Like I looked at his list and was like, I wonder if I could build a vintage deck. <laughs> I mean, it's basically tinker up Blightsteel Colossus. Like that's that's how it wins. Um, but it's got like everything in the, in the deck is meant to make it so that that's possible. He's got Dark Confidant in there to draw him into the right cards. Trigon Predator, Vendillion Click, um, and then he's got of course Ancestral Recall, Black Lotus, Brainstorm, Demonic Tutor, Fast Bond, Force of Will, Gush. I love Gush. Gush being unrestricted now in Vintage uh, is is kind of uh, I don't I don't know when it was unrestricted, but it was fairly recently. So it's cool to see four Gush in a deck. Um, Hercules Recall, Merchant Scroll, uh, all five Moxen, Mystical Tutor, Ponder, Preordained, Sensei's Defining Top, Spell Pierce, Time Walk, Tinker, Vampiric Tutor, and Yogmoth's Will. So he, uh, you know, it, it's basically a Tinker deck. But I, yeah. I don't know. I was kind of like, I have most of these cards except for the power. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have Blightsteel Colossus, but I don't think that would be too hard to get. Yeah, I've got like three, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, but I was like, hmm, guess I, I shouldn't be looking into trying to acquire Black Lotus. So I'll Boy, stick with that one. Yeah, I'll stick with Legacy for now. For sale. <laughs> How much? Uh, I don't know. You'd have to ask him, but he's got one. Yeah, maybe I will ask him just out of curiosity. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I think maybe a grand. Yeah, I think I'm not sure. Like I know not, uh, not what I want to be spending on one card. Right. I know that uh, Travis was actually entertaining the idea of trading his Jaces for it. Right. Well, he's got foil Jaces, so that's Four that makes a big Jaces, difference. Yeah. yeah. He was thinking about it. I think they were both thinking about it a little bit. You know what I think is really funny is that Mark Hornung's uh, deck list. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that it has four, four unknown, unknown cards? <laughs> what does that card do? Yeah, four unknown cards. Um, so three Sun Titan. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a very interesting. Yeah, 
I, I for some reason didn't catch that when I was uh, scanning the list here. So also uh, this weekend was the block championships, but um, uh, apparently Wizards doesn't have the resources to cover it and put any sort of information on their site. So we, we couldn't find any information about the block championships. Uh, come on, Wizards. Uh, apparently Pure Steel Paladin uh, was the deck that won it. Um, I know that I watched some of it on Friday, uh, and there were some Tezzeret decks, which were doing pretty well, and there may have been one in the finals. Um, it was, uh, I guess it's a, it's a pretty interesting format if you want to, like, look ahead to the upcoming, you know, past rotation, but at the same we time, we're, we're getting, yeah, we, we can't even look at it to kind of <laughs> examine it, um, Sucks. But, and at the same time, we're getting a whole new block, uh, which is going to change things up a bit. On that note, we've kind of uh, been slacking on the Innistrad news. There's been a lot of lot of Innistrad news over the past few weeks, and I think we've had we had some news the week that Brad uh, was on, so we never talked about it. And then last week when Jerry was on, so we never talked yeah. about it. So um, we've got a lot of lot of stuff. So. Innistrad, obviously, release date September 30th. Pre-release is September 23rd, so we're six weeks away. Uh, yeah. as, as of the day this is published, six weeks uh, it, it is the pre-release. So that's, that's, that's nothing, you know? Like, uh, yeah. We know, obviously, that it's a horror, uh, horror kind of themed set, and um, it's apparently got a tribal sub-theme. Um, tribal, it's not a tribal set, but it's got tribal synergies in it, apparently. And um, this is reportedly the most top-down set ever designed. Wow. Which, which is kind of cool. Like, I guess they just started with horror. We're going to go with horror, and we're going to make it, you know, top-down from, from starting with that and design all the cards based on that. So what we know, as far as the actual tribes, uh, we're going to have vampires, which are going to be black and red, which is perfect because they've pretty much, you know, the vampires deck that we've been seeing is a black red deck. Although all the vampires are, uh, are black. Um, but it, it makes sense that they'd be red as well. Werewolves in red and green. Amen. Zombies in uh, black and blue. Right. Which is awesome. Ghosts or spirits, probably going to be spirits, um, just to kind of keep the consistency with uh, with the rest of magic, uh, are in blue and white. And the white-green tribe, which I think was the uh, you know little twist that they kind of announced a lot more recently, was that the white-green tribe is humans. Yeah. So that's kind of, kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, are they all going to just be all weak? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, maybe there's going to be... I don't know. I, I can't imagine uh, humans being very good because I know I'd certainly rather be a werewolf or a vampire or, you know... <laughs> I guess I wouldn't want to be a zombie or a spirit. I guess I could potentially be a spirit at some point. You know, who knows what happens after you die? Uh, <laughs> you know, I can't even remember who I was talking to, but I was talking to someone about, uh, you know an imminent zombie apocalypse. And I was like, so, you know, what would you do to survive? He's like, I'd become a zombie, man. Strength in numbers. <laughs> I was like, you know, I've never thought of it that way. I've never thought, oh, you just turn in, you just let them take you. And then right. you're, you're with the army. You're not one of the people trying to hide. Right. It's like, can't beat them and join them. You know? Yeah. I was like, man, 
That's kind of a, a nice way to look at it. That's a rogue strategy if I ever heard one. You know it. And you know I got love for that. Absolutely. Um, so you know we have some potentially spoiled cards. You want to talk about those? We do. Uh, first, spoiler I want Spoiler warning. Yeah, spoiler warning for those of you who may not want to uh, hear about Innistrad. Um, I keep noticing that I pronounce it both Innistrad and Innistrad, and I'm just going to continue doing that. It's kind of whatever, whatever comes out. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. Um, one thing that's interesting, uh, we we kind of assume that there's going to be a Liliana. I think I think that's a pretty safe assumption that there's going to be a new Liliana. For one, she wasn't reprinted in uh, M12, and she is the poster child, quite literally, of Innistrad uh, at the moment. Right. At least the announcement, uh, the day they announced the set, it was Liliana. So we assume that uh, there has been some Garrick art spoiled. Yeah. So there's another new Garrick coming down the line, which is kind of crazy because I just said about, well, Liliana, they didn't print her in M12, but they did print Garrick in M12, and it was a, a new, new Garrick, and are they going to give us yet another new Garrick? Like, it really looks like it. It's uh, It was spoiled for some uh, Ultra Pro products, which is typically a way that a lot of art is spoiled early, but in this case, when it's a recognizable character, we can kind of go, whoa, we actually know one of the cards. You know, like, it's not just some generic dragon or something right it's done in like the planeswalker style framing right you know what i mean mean? like it's not a card frame but yeah like the the orientation of the art i mean it's clearly like it looks way too iconic to not be a planeswalker exactly unless for some reason garrick like loses his spark and becomes a legendary creature in the storyline which that could happen it happened to teferi yeah. You know, like Teferi is not a planeswalker. He is a creature in magic. I mean, he is a planeswalker in the storyline, but he beco- he becomes a planeswalker and then becomes a creature. So um, I guess that's a possibility. Um, the The general consensus is that he's going to be possibly black or green-black most likely because in the storyline, uh, he is having some kind of like uh, basically like a battle with Liliana and um, – and this is all from like the comics that they they put up on Daily MTG. So right. uh, if you go back and look for some of those, I don't uh, I don't know. I can't remember the name of the actual storyline, but um, the uh, actually BDM just tweeted at me about <laughs> about block. He oh, said he the, the event happened overnight before Nat started, ended somewhere in the morning, and got lost in the shuffle of everything else. So that's what it seems like. Uh, I'll have to write back to him later. Um, but anyway, so that's why people think maybe he's black because Liliana does something to him in one of the comics that kind of corrupts him. So uh, that's the the idea. And I think it would make sense in having like – if they're going to print two consecutive Garricks or Garrick and two consecutive sets, have one be as kind of different as possible from the other one without making it ridiculous like – Red blue Garrick or something. Blue black. <laughs> yeah. Blue black Garrick. Well, we had Tezzeret last year, so it would be like enemy color red, red blue Garrick or something. Yeah, <laughs> that would not work. So, um, uh, we do have some cards spoiled. I'll get to those. Those have been spoiled for a while, but uh, we'll run down them real quick. Um, but before that, I just want to mention a couple other snippets. Uh, one. We know there were five planeswalkers in Scar's block, so I wonder if they're going to continue with that n- many planeswalkers. Like that's a lot when you think like we had. I mean, I know we get five in M12, but a couple were reprints, and 
right. you know, three were new ones, and now we're going to get – so we just got three new Planeswalkers, and now we're going to get two more new ones in this set. I mean, are they – do you think they're going to continue with this? I mean, we just got Tezzeret and Karn uh, in Besieged and New Phyrexia, so just one uh, one per set. So maybe that's what they're going to do this, this time around. Uh, the next set after Innistrad is called Dark Ascension. Right. Um, that's been announced, and maybe there will only be one Planeswalker there. I, I don't know, but it, it to me it seems like a lot. Um, well, it's good business. It is. I mean, people like Planeswalkers. Packs. It kind of, I guess, it also seems to have, I feel like it's the most uh, high-risk, high-reward. Like, if the Planeswalkers suck, people really notice. Right. You know what I mean? Nobody notices when, like, you know, Skywind Falcon or something sucks because it's just like, oh, whatever. You know, but everybody's looking forward to the to the Planeswalkers. They see, oh, there's going to be a new Garrick. Right. You know, hope he doesn't suck. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they seem to do a pretty good job. I think they've got more, more uh, hits than misses. Um, but last year, Venser and several other cards, I think Venser, Elspeth, Mox Opal, all three of those were spoiled at PAX Prime last year, which uh, was, I think, either, I think it was at the end of August or early September. This year, it's August 26th and 28th, so two weeks away, uh, 26th through the 28th, and I'm thinking that we're maybe going to get some spoilers this year from that event as well. Um, At least it's a possibility, so that's kind of something to look forward to for spoilers. Um. Another thing that we know that has been uh, officially, I guess, not spoiled, spoiled is the wrong word, but officially announced, uh, I'm going to bring it up here, is that uh, Tiago Chan's Invitational card is actually going to see print in this, in this set. Like, he won the Invitational years ago and designed a card called Denying Channel, which uh, originally, it, it was, the originally submitted version was uh, Land... Tap it to add one to your mana pool, uh, just one colorless, um, or pay two blue blue, discard denying channel, counter target spell. So it's an uncounterable counter spell uh, on a land, which seems oh, really wow. awesome. Now, that was the original, really, originally submitted version. Um, uh, Marrow confirmed it will be an Innistrad. Um, he said, he said, to quote Zach Hill, Tiago Chan's card is very good. Um, and Mark Rosewater also said, I can't say anything about the card right now, but I will say it changed quite a bit for the better. Hmm. So I don't know what for the better, you know what I mean? Like what, what does that mean exactly? You know what I mean? What makes a card better? <laughs> you know, is it stronger for tournament play or is it better because it's more fun or something? You know, like that right. kind of thing. So, um, but that's something I think that's the thing I'm most excited about because I, well, I would just love the card that, that he submitted. <laughs> like, play that's a four of in any deck I ever play if that were printed. You know, it's an uncounterable counter spell and the land. Like, it can't really get any better than that. Uh, do you have the spoilers up in front of you, by the way? I did a minute ago. Hold on. Um, we have uh, we, just, a, just a handful of cards. And these most of these were spoiled through the Duels of the Planeswalkers 2012 game I think files. all of them, actually. Yeah. Uh, I say most just because I assumed. But, yeah, all of them. Well, Plains Island Swamp 
forest and mountain uh, were were not spoiled that way, but I think those are just assumptions. They are not confirmed in the set. Not confirmed. Um, so for uh, for white, we have Spectral Rider, which is a 2-2 for white-white. It's a creature, spirit, knight, uncommon. It has Intimidate. Uh, probably not something that sees much play in, in standard, but uh, you know, seems like a perfectly reasonable bear to have uh, in a in a limited environment. Um, for blue, we have one card. It is a creature bird, a murder of crows, which I just love that already. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of cool. Um, a murder of crows is a four four flyer for blue, blue, and three. So it's an air elemental. Uh, whenever another creature dies, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. So that's kind of cool because it's got like the looter ability on it. Again, I don't see it being a big player in like standard. I mean, the looter ability is great, but blue doesn't typically play uh, many other creatures on its own. I guess it depends. I mean, timely reinforcements, that's three guys on a, on a card. But anyway, uh, the cool thing is it does count your opponent's creatures. So if you're uh, if you're killing your opponent's creatures, you get the looter ability as well. Just doesn't seem good enough, but still seems like a, it seems like a decent card. Um, now this one is the one that I think is probably the most exciting. Uh, still may not be actually playable enough, but I feel like it has a better chance. Uh, Blood Gift Demon is this is also a four four flyer for five, and this one is black black and three. So it's a black air elemental or a send your vampire, however you want to look at it. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, target player draws a card and loses one life. So it's got Phyrexian uh, Arena stapled onto it. Yeah, that's and pretty Phyrexian cool. Arena was a, a tournament playable, like a tournament staple back when it was uh, when it was legal in uh, at least or when it was originally printed. When it was reprinted, it rarely saw play. So that's why I think. You know, this is interesting, but I don't know that people want a Phyrexian uh, arena so badly. I mean, the fact that it's on a 4-4 flyer at least gives it that extra bit of, um, well, it gives it that extra bit of vulnerability, but it also gives it that extra bit of uh, value in that, hey, you know, I can attack with my Phyrexian arena now, and uh, a 4-4 flyer is pretty decent to, to attack with. Yeah, usually. Um, unless they have a Baneslayer Angel in play. Right, which wasn't which reprinted they won't. Unless, unless they reprint it in Innistrad, but I haven't heard any angels in the uh, in a set. I don't think that's likely. Um, Moan of the Unhallowed, moving on, is uh, uncommon. It's two black and two. It's sorcery. And here's why I wanted to read this one. It says, put two, two, two black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield, and it has flashback of black, black, and five. I mean, the most exciting thing about that is that it says flashback on it. Like, we know yes. it's back. The most exciting thing for me was two, two, two black zombie creature tokens. Fair enough, yeah. I mean, for four mana, two, two, twos, not that exciting. But with flashback, like, it's a bunch of guys on one card. Call of the Herd was uh, was a ridiculous card when it was out. You know, it was a, a staple. And that was... Uh, you know, it was like three mana for a, a three, three, and four mana to flash it back. But again, when it was reprinted in Time Spiral, it was uh, as a, a future shifted card. Nobody really gave time it a sh- second look. Time shifted. Uh, well, yeah, time shifted. That's what I meant. You're right. Not future shifted. That was future sight. So, uh, but it reminds me of that in a way, like Call of the Herd. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. In kind of more more numbers. Well, it's a heck of a lot more mana to do a heck of a lot 
less. But yeah, well, I mean, it puts more guys on the board. Like it's this, true. this is four dudes for uh, eleven for mana. Eleven mana. I, <laughs> I mean, mean like, that's a lot of mana for four guys. Skurzdag Cultist is a two-two for two and two red. <laughs> creature, human, shaman, uncommon. Tap, sacrifice. That rhymed. Your poet, you didn't even realize it. I didn't. Totally didn't realize it. <laughs> so you tap it and sacrifice a creature, and Skurzdag Cultist deals two damage to target creature or player. Uh, whatever. Weak. Uh, Wreath of Geists. Wreath of Geists is an enchantment aura. Let's, moving on. We have basic land planes. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. I guess I'll read it. Uh, it's f- just one green. It's an uncommon enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus X plus X, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. So it's like, hey, uh, I'm plus a Lurgoif. So plus Lurgoif plus Lurgoif, I guess. Plus foreshadowing plus Lurgoif. Yeah. So um, putting all these cards in the graveyard. Again, speaks a little to your uh, theory that they reprint Tarmogoyf in this block. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. They, they, I'm sure they want to throw legacy players a bone. Um, it's totally legal in modern, and they probably want modern to succeed since they've already kind of thrown their hands up with extended. Yeah, you know what I mean. Seems that way. So, like. They probably want modern to ex- succeed, and in order for that to happen, they probably need to at least hand a couple people some Tarmogoyfs. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, it's again, it's not – like I know there were people complaining about it when it was around, but it's not that strong of a card. And I think with the – even just with the power creep that we've had in the last few years, like it's even less like oppressive, I guess. It's just – a big oaf, uh, to quote uh, Sam Stoddard, or to paraphrase him on Twitter today, talking about uh, about creatures. I think. Let me see what actually he was saying. Um, he said, "Goif doesn't seem." This is about uh, uh, top five creatures of all time. Goif doesn't seem top five. He isn't actually that good. Just the biggest, dumbest oaf in the world. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes a big dumb oaf is good, but never the best. So yeah, I mean. And, and Russell Tassiker makes a good point. If you want to get in fights, Goyf is your guy, but other guys do more exciting things for sure. So, yeah, I mean, pretty awesome to to have it back, and I'm sure he would see plenty of play. Um, but it, I think if I were to guess, they'd do the same thing they did in uh, in Time Sparkle Block and print it in the third set so it doesn't stick around for too long. You know what I mean? Just in case, like, they felt like... I mean, I guess it depends on how they felt. Maybe it comes right back in in uh, Innistrad in the first set, but I feel like um, if they want to kind of play it safe, they wait until the third set, which is typically where they put the stronger cards because that way they're not around for as long. Right. You know, like, look right. at Batterskull, you know, something like that. Look at Tarmogoyf. Uh, Tarmogoyf, Bloodbraid Elf. Like, they yeah. put the, those kind of cards so that they don't stick around uh, for two years, they're just around for like a year and a half. So uh, another product that's coming out very soon, um, I forget the release date of it, um, but uh, I believe it's this September, is from the Vault Legends. Uh, typically they have those available at Gen Con. Uh, this year they didn't, but I think Gen Con was a little earlier than it usually is, so maybe that's why. Um, but it should be coming out in just a matter of weeks, uh, and before Innistrad, um, from the Vault Legends, I think there are six confirmed cards and two um, 
rumored or probable cards. So we've got Teferi, Mage of Zalfir, pretty much my favorite of the ones that have been spoiled, and he's got new art. Um, Doran the Siege, Cha- Siege Tower, uh, Kiki Jiki the Mirror Breaker, Progenitus, also with new art, and that's another one that I like because uh, mm-hmm. it's a legacy playable card. Of course. Uh, we've got Crush the Blood Braided, which... Uh, or is it blood braided? Crush the yes. Okay, I was like, wow, it's actually blood braid elf like. Wow, <laughs> I never noticed that. Um, it's funny. And then we've got Sun Quan, Lord of Wu, which I was like, what is my favorite? That? Well, it's interesting. What is that? Because nobody knows what that is. Very, very few people know what that is. I bet um, uh, it's from Portal Three Kingdoms. That's why I don't know what it is. Here, I'll tell you what it is. Uh, Sun Quan, Lord of Wu. Is a legendary creature, human soldier, uh, from Portal 3 Kingdoms. He's a 4-4 for 2 blue and 4. And he simply says, creatures you control have horsemanship. Which they is... Can't be, they can't be blocked except by creatures with horsemanship. Which is basically flying, but with a different obscure word that nobody has cards of in their deck. <laughs> is this legal in Legacy? It is. Yeah. <laughs> why, why isn't this seeing play? Because All my the cards are, are way too expensive and overall way too crappy. Yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. It's, uh, it's a $35 card uh, according yeah. to magiccards.info, this this one. And that's an uh, – it's a rare. Okay, I thought it was an uncommon. But um, just kind of funny. Uh that that's one of the from the vault legends. I mean, apparently this is one of the most iconic legends in the history of the game, and I've sure. never heard of it. So um, we also have rumored Rafik of the many and Sharum the Hegemon, which uh, both of which were in scars. Which seems weird to me that they'd go, they'd put two creatures from the same set. Especially Kresh is already uh, supposedly confirmed. I think he has new art as well, and. Uh, they're both like really well loved generals, though. Like yeah. Sharum is one of the most broken generals there is. And, yeah, uh, I mean it makes sense when you say it when when you bring that up. But I feel like there aren't there like tons of other legends that they could like pick from over the course of history and not literally the same set. Like they're just like a shard apart. It's like Bant shard, Esper shard. It's like there they are, right next to each other. You know. Well, we still haven't seen seven of the cards. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. So oh, like yeah, yeah. the last seven could be pretty epic. I doubt they're going to just keep going. You know what I mean? Like, but, I mean, they got three from the same block. That seems well. Maybe they're going to gonna, maybe they're going to do all five. Maybe they're going to do Esper. Maybe they're going to do a Bant one. They're going to do Jund, and they're going to do the other two shards that I don't remember. Well, uh, Grixis, Grixis. And, so Grixis and Naya, the other two. Yeah, they could do Grixis and Naya too. They maybe right. they do. Who knows? All right. I guess it's true. Um, Ile the Anima is a really popular general. Yeah, I mean this. These from the vault sets are definitely geared towards like collectors and commander players, um, right? Well, even me, like especially, yeah, like exactly. Um, I like Teferi a lot, but I don't really like foils, so I may get one just to have because it's kind of cool. But I don't really, I don't see myself getting this set unless depends on what the other ones are. But last year I got the uh, from the vault relics. And the same day you gave it to me, because I know uh, I got it from your store and you brought it to me, uh, I traded it away for a Jace, so... Right. I traded, <laughs> I traded one of mine for a Jace, too. Yeah. 
Last thing that I wanted to uh, bring up is the uh, the Magic the Gathering Pro Tour Hall of Fame, which has been the topic of some uh, of, of a lot of discussion recently. Um, I was ecstatic to find out that I am on the selection committee this year. So I figured I'd uh, announce my ballot. And um, most of these guys, I think their reputations can speak for themselves. So in alphabetical order, uh, Patrick Chapin, uh, William Hugh, uh, Baby Huey Jensen, William Jensen, uh, Anton Janssen, Shuhei Nakamura, and Steve OMS. It's Steve O'Mahony Schwartz. Um, my sixth and seventh, which... It like literally, I think I had I had a list of six narrowed down for a couple of weeks, and took me forever to kind of cut it to five. And before I did that, a seventh was added in. Uh, the sixth and seventh were Chris Picula, who, who is uh, the the creator of Meddling Mage, among uh, among other things, and Mark Herberholtz. So both of those guys, I really wanted to vote for, but I just I only had five votes. So those guys are uh, those guys. Didn't make the cut. Joey deserves to be on the selection committee. Let me tell you from someone who's known him for 15 years, like, this is, like, no one will treat this vote with more respect than Joey will. Like. Thank you. I appreciate the the support. So, upcoming events, courtesy of mtgmom.com. Uh, this coming weekend is the TCG Player 75K. Also yes. this weekend is the Star City Games Open Series in Richmond, Virginia. Um... That'll be one to watch. We'll see if Ali Antrazi's blue-black control deck uh, makes more appearances after taking down Nats. Um, next weekend, August 20th and 21st, is the Star City Games Open Series in Boston. I'll be there with Adrian Sullivan doing SCG Live. Uh, also, that weekend is GP Shanghai, which is limited. GP Pittsburgh is August 27th and 28th, and that is standard. So we've got a couple of weeks leading up to, to that GP, and... Um, and we'll see, you know, kind of how standard shakes out up until then. Uh, and that's the week before Pro Tour Philadelphia, September 2nd through the 4th. So that'll be uh, another one to watch. I think we will be in Philadelphia. Are you uh, you planning to go up there? Weekend is it? It's September 2nd through the 4th. Uh, very likely I should take off work for that. Yeah, I already took off, so... Uh, we will probably be up there. That is Magic Weekend, Philadelphia. And uh, the information, I think, is up on Daily MTG or well, on Wizards.com now. So that's what we got for this week. We are Yo! MTG Taps. Stop bitching and start brewing. The Unhollowed, moving on, is uh, uncommon. It's two black and two. It's sorcery. And here's why I wanted to read this one. It says, put two, two, two black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield. How many? Two. How, two what two, are they? Two, 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 two? Two, two, two twos. Just press okay. two for a while. Okay. And when I pick up, you will know you have pressed two enough. Um, <laughs> and it has flashback of black, black, and five. So it has flashback. Flash 
and it puts two, two, two black zombie <laughs> creature tokens onto the battlefield. It's got flash black. It's <laughs> I wish it had flash. That would be cool. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously, I wish it was an instant. That's what I mean to say. <laughs> it's just a sorcery. I wish this sorcery had flash. <laughs> and flashback. <laughs> it says, put two, 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 two black zombie creatures on the tokens onto the battlefield. Flash, flashback. Flash, flashback. When you flash back Mona the Unhallowed, it has flash until end of turn. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. You may put two additional 2 2 black zombies in addition to the 2 2 2 black zombies you put on the battlefield additionally. Two. Two. You can put 2 2 2 black zombies on the battlefield, too. (laughs) Two, two, twos, too. Um,. So, yeah, Skurzdag cultist. Put, sorry, sorry, I'm not done. Put two, two, two black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield. Player two may put two, two, two black zombie creature tokens on the battlefield, too. We are Yo MTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing. <laughs> <laughs> Just cut it off right there. We're done. <laughs> <laughs>